You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Adam Mattis. This is Locked On NBA. It is a trade deadline special. Some stuff happened. This was a wild, like 14 trades. This was a fun day. It's really a fun week. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. There wasn't as much chaos, I guess, as as there could have been, but there was still a healthy dose of it. It's easy for you to say, seeing as you didn't have to. <laughs> you had some chaos in your life this week. <laughs> you didn't have to report on the same damn rumor for 10 straight days. That was, yeah, yeah. It was awful. It was, it was really bad. That's where we're going to start today's show. We're going to start by talking about Anthony Davis, uh, how it all went down, what all I've been able to gather in, in, in writing, reporting, aggregating, whatever, however you want to define it. We're going to talk about that, what comes next. And then in segments two and three, we're going to talk about winners and losers from each conference, not just teams, but players and and people and and all of that. So there there were some big winners and some big losers. I thought on uh, on this and some and and what I liked most is there was some crazy risk. So we'll talk about that yeah, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Phoenix just or not Phoenix, Philadelphia just swinging for the fences, willing They're to pay all, all kinds yeah. of money. Apparently, allegedly, allegedly. So uh, we're going to talk about that, and then then at the very end, we are going to talk about the all-star draft that I had a lot of fun watching. I'd still tweak it <laughs> a little bit. It was a lot of fun. Uh, LeBron built a tampering team, so we, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> at the very end. Uh, let's start, though, with uh, another version of tampering, like legitimate <laughs> tampering that, that, that uh, New Orleans wasn't particularly thrilled with was the dealings between the Lakers, the Pelicans, Rich Paul, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. This entire fiasco is one yeah, word I will use it for was, it. It was a fiasco. I, I would I would probably call it a fiasco. And and I I'll, I'll we'll start here. I want to just really quickly point to two moments that I think really should have gotten more attention at the time and set the tone for how the rest of everything was going to play out. So first and foremost, there was that mostly innocent comment by LeBron. Dave McMenamin reported that he asked LeBron, would you like to play with Anthony Davis? LeBron says, yes, I would like to play with Anthony Davis. And then and then Alvin Gentry goes out there and says that uh, that should be that should qualify as tampering. Right. Mm. And and that I think right there set the tone. It just signified this is what they're going to be looking for. They're yeah. already they're already looking for it. The only thing I think you're not providing the context for is that's not the only thing that happened. I mean, there was also Rich Paul taking over as the agent yeah. for Anthony yeah, yeah, Davis, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm sure a host of other things behind the scenes. I mean, this isn't something that snuck up on us, Anthony. We've been talking about this specific deal since the summer. Yeah, I'm so I'm, I'm more talking about things that no, like people might not have noticed at the time. Like I don't, I don't think anybody was prepared for New Orleans to um, call their bluff to the degree that they did. I mean, I think that you would always think, okay, are they going to play hardball? Are they going to try to bleed them for everything? But the story of this trade deadline with Anthony Davis was the the Pelicans sort of suckered. It seems it, it would appear to us that they sort of suckered the Lakers into, oh yeah, just. Yeah, let's keep talking. Let's open a dialogue. Let's talk with no intention of actually <laughs> honoring any of those conversations. And the Lakers and, and specifically, I think, Rich Paul and, and probably Polinka and Magic as well fell for it initially. And they fell for it hard enough early on. I think they backed off the last two days, but they fell for it hard enough early on that it, it puts a egg on their face. 
It did. It absolutely did. The Lakers looked like amateur hour. Magic, Magic and Palenka, from what I have come to know about it, it was a lot of Magic Johnson doing the negotiating. That's mm. not what he was hired for. Palinka was mm. hired to do the negotiating, and and Magic, in my opinion, overstepped his bounds here. He, that's this. He was hired to do the talking to LeBrons, the convincing the stars to come over, Mister Charisma, face of the franchise, and mm-hmm. and you delegate your other jobs elsewhere to be able to to fill holes that Magic doesn't provide as an executive, and and he didn't. And I think, as you said, they got egg on their face. The other moment that I thought really. Like this was, I think, where negotiations were decided and almost ended was the reported offer from the Lakers that had like Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo and some middling picks. And and it was the Lakers needed to go into this by operating in, in good faith to the extent that they can. And when you show up and you say, no, 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 you're going to give us the best player in the in the history of your franchise and your immediate demand is you're going to do so without us really touching all of the – not having to make a godfather offer. That I think yeah. – that just set New Orleans down a path where they just said, no, we're, we're, we're never going to take these conversations seriously. Yeah, I, th- I think that was certainly the case. And more than anything, it also sets up for a very interesting summer. And let me ask you this. You know, there was talk about – Kawhi Leonard coming to the Lakers with LeBron James. Then there was talk of Paul George. Then there was talk of Anthony Davis. Do you feel, from a Lakers perspective now, where do you feel they are at in terms of this might not break their way even going this summer? Because now there's another opportunity at Anthony Davis this summer. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity at guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson. There's other guys out there. But do you feel like this was the best sort of chance for them? Or do you feel like, no, this was just one swing, but there's better opportunities coming? Somewhere in between there. Somewhere in Mm. between. I would go – so it was funny how the the goalpost moved for Magic over the course of these negotiations and over the course of this last year. When he was hired, it was we're going to get LeBron and we're going to get another star in free agency and we're going to trade for a third one. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, right. That was was the promise there. And and when Magic was willing to offer everything up – and take money on in a Anthony Davis trade, that signified to me that they might start that they might feel like they aren't leaders in the race for any of the upcoming superstar free agents. There might be like a B level free agent that they that they'll still yeah. be able to land, but but the Kawhis, the KDs, the Kyries, the Clays, even uh, I don't think they feel like they are the 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 runner that they are leading the pack on any of those guys. That said, they right. didn't they didn't take in any money in any other deals. So I don't think I don't Which I wouldn't have expected them to do. I mean, that's a low bar kind of if you're trying to look at a silver of. lining. I mean, you're right. They could have taken on Beal. Right? Yeah, it could have been yeah, you're right. And that would have made them better, but not right. It, not it, that would have kind of capped them off. But I never expected them to do anything like that. Um here here's something for you. I mm-hmm. and another angle I kind of want to take this is you know, this is an interesting one because on the surface, you might be able to pair this as, um, you know, players have really exercised their agency over mm-hmm. the last several years. It's been an interesting thing. And owners and I think teams are un- uncomfortable and uneasy with, with that balance. But what I think is interesting is you have a small market owner in New Orleans and a big market owner it, with the Lakers, a big market team with the Lakers, that those two are opposed to each other. Then you have 
LeBron James, a player who is opposed to, you know, Lance Stevenson and Lonzo Ball and these other guys. And they have a really interesting to me. This is not a story of players versus owners and sending a message. There's a really complex like four layers here that is actually really, really fascinating. It was funny. I saw a tweet the other day, and I, I'm sorry whoever sent it. It was a fantastic tweet and summed up this LeBron James experience so far, especially after he fired off that tweet talking about player agency and how the owners aren't going <laughs> to be loyal to the players. Why should the players be loyal to the owners? And and it, to, to sum it up or to, to paraphrase, it was basically LeBron James is all for player agency, but a lot of the moves that LeBron James makes right, takes away right. from other players' agency. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yep. And and I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. Like if I was if I was a, if I was one of LeBron's teammates, I'd look at his comments regarding Anthony Davis, and I'd be like, "Dude, you would have traded me at halftime if it meant that, that you, got, you were you were going to get Anthony Davis. What kind of agency do I have there? Now, if he was to rephrase it and say that superstars should maybe have more agency." Or, or something like that, then I think it's a little bit more honest. But for him to, to act as if all players out there should have all this incredible agency, that they're fighting for all these players, I think it's a little intellectually dishonest. I do think that the Pelicans standing pat, this isn't, this battle, this, this, the battle was won, but the war wasn't. We'll still see who wins the war, so to speak, in terms of the Lakers could come out looking even better this summer if the deal breaks for them and they maybe get them even for cheaper or something like that. So we don't know how this thing shakes out. But I will say this was a battle that was won for the small market, just call their bluff. Don't allow yourself to get bullied. It might end up costing them, but at least in this one moment, I think you look at it and say, wow. They offered them something that they did not want to take, and they were able to hold their ground at least temporarily. So um, I think it – I really do think that this summer between what the Lakers can do and then other teams entering the fold, uh, you've got the lottery that could change this. I mean what if the Knicks win the lottery? What if the Pelicans do? You know? <laughs> the Pelicans winning the lottery would be the most fun thing. Yeah, it, Sacramento could win it, and I think their pick – I can't remember where it goes to, to – I can't remember who they're owed to. I mean, there's not very good odds at that, but there's this, mm -hmm. there's a lot of chaos that could happen this summer. And from a fan perspective, I'm just like I'm I'm kind of glad this story. I hope it goes away for a couple months because there's other things that are more interesting in the meantime. Mm -hmm. But come July, I'm ready for it again. Yeah. Well, all right. So I want to say a couple things about the whole small market thing. The team that was whispering loudest in New Orleans' ear is Boston. And they aren't exactly a small market, okay? <laughs> like, let's not act as <laughs> Interesting bedfellows, isn't it? <laughs> so, you know, it's – and the other yeah. thing, too, there was that report that came out uh, from, from New Orleans, I believe it was, that said that, you know, as of right now, Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis not – not Dell Demps. But, right, right. Uh, Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis were the ones who are who have their focus elsewhere on the New Orleans Saints. So, like, I, I want to give them a ton of credit, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for making the Lakers look moronic. I think they completely played the Lakers like a fiddle. But I yeah. also think, though, that I don't want to get carried away giving credit to people for – you know, I, I, making the prudent choice. I, I so it yeah. was a pretty obvious choice. Yeah, yeah, I, I happen to agree. It was a pretty obvious choice, and I think there is sort of celebrating the small, like I said, the small battle. But let's yeah. not get carried away and make anybody here into the white hat. There's just a lot of uh, there's there's just a lot of interesting dynamics. That's I, what makes this story interesting. And this summer, look. The Lakers could come away with egg on their face. The Clippers could come away with egg on their face. The Knicks, the Celtics, the yep. Pelicans. And then who knows? Mystery Team X that comes out of nowhere and swoops in. I actually think it's likely that that happens over the summer. I don't yeah. think it 
I don't think that it's just those four teams in, in the in the running when it's all said and done. Things change. Yeah, especially as we get closer to the draft. Completely agree. We're going to take a quick second here, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the Western Conference winners that we saw so far. And then in the third segment, we will get to the Eastern Conference winners. We'll make some larger points about all that. And like I said, we'll talk about the uh, the All-Star Draft. So uh, hang on. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be fun. So we were going to make this point in the previous segment. And I think both you and I, Adam, have at probably the top of our list clutch the lakers the front office like all of those guys are at the top of our list of losers right now well you got to. i mean absolutely there's no we saw the image come out when two days ago it was kind of clear this wasn't going to happen right the rumors yeah. were coming out and you never know how to trust a rumor and things mm-hmm. happen hail mary's at the last moment but it seemed different that this was no actually yeah. the lakers are just going to walk home with their l on this one uh, and clutch sports in particular you had the photo with Le- lebron sitting far away from the team and losing by 40 whatever points it was. I mean, things looked really bleak, and I think that was as bad as the LeBron era that started with with the Miami Heat thing. That's really when he seized, I think, learned his powers as as sort of a a guy that could move um, pieces behind the scenes. This might be the biggest L he he took, and I think he sat there and was thinking, this is not going the way I, I anticipated it would. So I haven't I haven't fully developed this theory quite yet. But I don't think it's a coincidence that he takes this large an L in a season that he had the worst injury he's had so far. Like okay. he, a lot of his leverage has come from a point where he is unquestionably the best player in the NBA. Yeah. And yeah. and when that is where you draw your leverage from or uh, your ability to move these pieces behind the scenes and then you lose some of that and then you try to flex that muscle as as players learn, like as age sets in, like that's how it goes. You try to flex that muscle, you try to make that move and you aren't able to do it the same way. And I I, I actually think there's a there's a natural correlation here between father time setting in on him on the court. And then also have an effect on on his ability to do things off of it. I think that might have played a, a part in it. it. I think more so this summer and maybe even last summer. You know, we'll see how how star caliber players view that because I am interested if star caliber players look at him and say, "Oh no, that they're in line for two or three championships potentially." Let's mm-hmm. go there, or if they look at it and say, "Man, they they didn't even make the playoffs, or they got bowed out in the first round of the playoffs." I did, they're they're further away than we think. Yeah, you know that 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 will be the big. Um, to me, that'll be the big test to see to see how far that part of it impacts. Yep. Uh, who's next on your list for either winner or loser in the West? Well, my other loser that I had was the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I don't, you know, we knew this Mark Gasol trade was coming, um, but they have had so many opportunities over the year. They're a team that I think we've all seen that that grit and grind era came to a close a couple years back, um, except for Memphis. Yeah. And Memphis did that for financial reasons, a, a couple other motivations that to kind of hold on. But they held on too long because they did not get a first-round pick, and they didn't really get a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at it, and they didn't get great players. I think um, you know Wright's going to have to be signed as a restricted free agent this summer. Immediately. So, so essentially, they lost their cornerstone face to the franchise player, but they didn't really set themselves up for – I don't know what comes next for them. Would you? I almost would have rather let Marcus Gasol retire as a Grizzly. 
then take well, on the like it, it, then ra- then have to pay Delon Wright immediately. Then then have well, I to think have... he, I think I think for Mark's sake they want to you know he still has something left to give. I think we'll see what happens. Toronto's an interesting fit for him because it's not maybe a natural fit. Um, mm-hmm. but I think he has something in the tank. So to hold on to him and just be like, no man, we're going to keep you here. I think that would have pro- he would have yeah, soured I mean, on that if idea. He, if he made it known that no, I want to go elsewhere. I, I want to mm-hmm. to compete one more time. Sure, but. Yeah. I I think I and and these conversations I would imagine happened, but if he was if he wasn't dead set on on being sent elsewhere, I would have almost just rather just take the take the hit and and have these last couple of years and and ride off into the sunset with how with how they did. Uh, my my team or my my winners that I want to mention here are the Clippers. Because for Tobias Harris, they got a lot more compared to the other guys that were moved that oh, yeah. were perceived as rentals. They got two first-round picks. They got Miami's pick in 2021. Uh, they are going to have a ton of flexibility. They have some younger guys that, that make a lot of sense as well. I actually think that Kevin Durant should really go to the Clippers as evidenced, <laughs> as evidenced by what we saw from him the other night in, in his postgame comments and in his annoyance with the media. If there's one place that you want to go and you're going to be ignored by the media, it's definitely the Clippers. So you, you go there. I think if they get Kawhi Leonard and, and they hit this reset button with a brand new owner and, and Steve Ballmer, like that, they are very well lined up in my opinion. They were my biggest winner out west, and and it's kind of funny because we're calling them a winner. They haven't won anything yet. They just yeah. it's like the we're not calling the Knicks big winners. I at least I don't I don't have them as a big winner. But they kind of did the same thing. They set the table. Mm-hmm. The difference, and maybe it's not a difference because the KD Kyrie to the Knicks rumors, you know, Anthony Davis maybe too, you know, in a trade or something like that. You know, these rumors are starting to pick up steam. So maybe there's something there. But we've heard for a long time that Kawhi Leonard likes the Clippers and wants yes. to be there. That that one. Almost feels I'm not going to say a lock, but that one seems like a, a the likeliest outcome mm-hmm. outcome there. So you pick up him, you set yourself in position to make a really good offer at Anthony Davis, and now you have yourself a big two. And oh, by the way, the Clippers are a team that have to scream for attention in Los Angeles. What better way to get attention than to screw over the team that has been your yeah. big brother? And and that's they're they're sort of in position to do with that. And the fact that Jerry West is at least involved in some of the decision making, I think, makes it a little extra just interesting it adds a little extra layer of intrigue especially seeing as jerry west reportedly was perfectly happy to go back to la to, to finish out his career his son works for the lakers he was yeah. he was happy to go there and the and and genie bus said no she didn't trust him uh who's your who's your next winner or loser in the west uh, I think Dallas is a winner, and I mean time will tell with this one. It could end up not being great, but they cleared the deck. I mean, they really they were a team that I looked at, and I thought, okay, they got Luca, but they traded a pick to get him, and it's great. And Luca's probably worth it. But you look at it, and you thought, okay, Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know this or that. Now you know what that team is. They mm-hmm. are Luka Doncic, they are Chris Depps Porzingis, and they're going to build around that. And those two guys, I think, have enough pool, enough um, marketability, and all these things to make Dallas relevant for a long time, assuming they can both stay healthy. So to me, they were a team without an identity or a direction, and now they have a very clear one. And oh, by the way, it's kind of a cool one with a lot of upside. Our own, uh, the the host of Locked On Mavericks, Nick Van Agstad, or Angstad, I think is how you pronounce his name, he... Uh, he had a very he had a really good tweet as well where he said, you know, 13 months ago it looked like that Dirk was going to be pass, passing the torch to Dennis Smith Jr. and to 
and to Harrison Barnes. And now it looks like he's <laughs> going to be passing it to Luka Doncic and to Chris Atsporzingis. And, and yeah. it makes a lot more sense. It, it really, really does. And, and Rick Carlisle, by the way, is going to work wonders with that pairing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This was, in a lot of ways, I think this saved Chris Stapps. Um, because I'm, I'm yeah. lower on Chris Stapps than most people. You and um, me both. Yeah, but he. this is a situation where I think you give him a guy that really can set the table for him well. And that initial pick-and-pop action, you can run so much action off of that. Um, my next winner, I like Sacramento here. It's not a big winner. The East has bigger winners. But I like them here because they were able to add a piece without in Harrison Barnes without giving up a, a ton of, uh, you know. Anything. Well, yeah, without giving up anything. So <laughs> I'm not a big Harrison Barnes guy, but that was a place where I'm like, oh, you know what? He kind of fits there. That, that, that'll that work. Now they can challenge the Lakers for um, this final playoff spot. And again, similar to the Clippers, the Kings would love to be able to knock the Lakers out of a playoffs. I mean, so they have some of this extra like storyline built in and they and they up their odds of doing that. Yeah, I, I would have I'd feel a lot better about the Clippers had they gotten Otto Porter instead of Harrison Barnes. I'd, I'd feel oh, yeah. I, I'd feel a lot better, but you know, you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Uh, I guess I had a loser on here. We'll wrap up on this, and we'll wrap up the segment on this one. That you, I think, as I was writing it down, you were surprised by. I think Utah took an L. Why is that? Because they needed Conley. I, I I think they needed Conley. Yeah, I think they, the fact that they let Dante Exum, whom they haven't really given <laughs> yeah. very much responsibility to whatsoever, like either you actually give the amount of responsibility that you're gonna you you you're, you keep yeah. promising me that you're gonna give him, either you give him that or you offer him up in this trade. Like Dante Exum should. This reminds me a lot of remember when Roddy Boubois was untouchable. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, remember that. And I'm not. Yeah. To, I'm not comparing those two players. I'm not. I, this isn't. Anything you could honestly. Them. I mean, they're, I, I think Exum is probably a better player. Has a better chance of sticking. But they're the, it's the same point. Like yeah. you're not. Exum's not moving the needle. He's not adding a, a playoff series win to you. Where Mike Conley, yeah. you know, he Might. could make that. He could he could add a little something there. Yeah, I, I think they they missed an opportunity there. And mm, and you know, we'll see, it's very likely. It's, I'm wrong all the time. You would know better than most that I I'm very capable of being wrong. But I just feel like I do I, know that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. <laughs> I've seen Exum, you be wrong so many times. <laughs> Exum should not be the the, the holdup in any trade right now. All right. Sorry, David. David, I'm sorry for listening. Um, we are <laughs> going to take a quick second, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. All right, we are going to talk about the Eastern Conference here. Can I start? Can I? The better I just, conference, by the way. Right now, I think the East is better than the West, and it, it was already a question before. But I think this was a big day for the East. Well, this is the Eastern Conference to me is the biggest winner of the entire league. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, all right. I, I think I think the fact that the vast majority of the legitimate talent that moved on trade deadline day or over the last week now, Kristaps Porzingis going west is obviously the outlier to to, to the comment that I'm making here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Tobias Harris goes east. Uh, Marcus Saul goes east. Uh, mm, yeah. who, am I, who am I missing? I know I'm missing. I don't people. know. <laughs> Nikola Mirotic goes east, and I think Ooh, he makes yeah. a lot of sense oh, to, yeah. to to go to a, a team, a Milwaukee team that was already <laughs> really, really good. So I yeah. think that the Eastern Conference, I think as a whole, and I think for the NBA as a whole, it's really good that the East made a lot of these dive right in moves. Yeah, no doubt about it. It um. <laughs> 
There, there are some winners. I think you said the East was the big winner. I think NBA fans are because yeah. the East, we've wanted some of these rivalries, and, and they were going to be good before. I think even without this trade deadline, the top four of the Eastern Conference was like, oh, that's intriguing. But now it almost feels like, no, this is going to be four heavyweights that – yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see the matchups. It's going to be interesting to see how these pieces work. So I think NBA fans won big here because I cannot wait for the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, you think about it. Let's say the Lakers sneak in as as the eighth seed. The playoffs yeah. have Warriors, Lakers in the first round in the West. Oh, my God. Oof. And then And then you get to the second round and you have everything that's going on in the East. That's yeah. so well set up for, for the entire NBA. Uh, who's your first winner or loser in the Eastern Conference? The biggest winner of the entire trade deadline, in my opinion, is the Milwaukee Bucks. This team added a middle a, a, a missing piece for an incredibly low cost in Nikola yeah. Mirotic. And now, you know, we're sleeping on Milwaukee, Anthony. We do this all of the time. We do this especially with markets like that. And I know that Giannis is as big as anybody, so it's a little bit different that he's such a star. But why are we not talking about Milwaukee as not just the favorite but the clear-cut favorite in the Eastern Conference? I think people finally are because I think a lot of people looked at it and said, yeah, Brooke Lopez is great, but in a playoff series, you get them out on an island and they have a weakness. Now you you mitigate that weakness. You can throw out small ball lineups that provide an enormous amount of spacing and then Giannis go loose. I think the Milwaukee Bucks now are the team to beat. They are my favorite and my front runner in the Eastern Conference. They're They're – their GM or president of bas- basketball operations should probably win executive of the year, of the year this year for hiring uh, Mike Budenholzer for for making the moves that he made. And if they, I, I completely agree. They they are, in my opinion, easily the best team in the East right now before Miritich. And then you add that to it, and you give more space to Giannis. That's freaking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and and to me, I, I'm going to let this kind of segue into my first loser. I think Boston loses here. I they they already they already okay. were were the, I think in in danger of being leapfrogged if they hadn't been outright leapfrogged already right now maybe yeah. things come together and maybe they all they all rally around the fact that nobody was moved despite having struggled this season and, and that happens <laughs> yeah. that happens all the time too but I I do think though that you know with with Milwaukee so close in their in their rear views and and if not already out in front of them that, I was gonna say they're not well, in the rear view though yeah I mean it, I understand what you're saying from a perspective like you know from what you're expecting but look Milwaukee has been absolutely dominant they have they are outscoring opponents on average by 10 points per game right but the, I'm the, saying the, why the, wouldn't the, why wouldn't Boston make a move to try to catch back up to them that's why I'm saying I, I think yeah. they've they've kind of missed their opportunity not missed their yeah. opportunity because you know they could land Anthony Davis and keep Kyrie Irving this this summer, but I, is, I do feel like just punting on seasons where you might be a title contender is not great. That's why I've been so annoyed with what the Lakers did with LeBron this year. So Boston is the four seed, um, but and, and they're six games behind the Bucks, uh, only a game behind the Pacers. Uh, you know, surprisingly enough, they're ahead of the 76ers, but they have a, a differential of plus six point eight, which is the second best in the East. Mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit better than the reputa- than their record, mm-hmm. and they are a team that I think is built for the playoffs. They have um, they have lineups to handle every type of situation, and mm-hmm. and I think the regular season. This is why we were talking about the Brook Lopez thing. 
you, teams have weaknesses, and it's that your weaknesses in the playoffs that kill you. Not your, not always your strengths. Yeah. And that that win it for you, but your weaknesses. And Boston, I think, just has very, very, very few weaknesses. So I still like them in a playoff series. But more to the point, you just referenced it. They are winners to me because they didn't lose Anthony Davis. If he would have yeah. gone to the Lakers, you'd say there's no chance there. Now Kyrie maybe is gone. Maybe you lose all of this. They are in position now to where they can pick up. Uh, Anthony Davis and look at Kawhi Leonard, or, or Kyrie Irving and say, I dare you to leave, leave. We just went as far as we have over the last two years with you, and we just added a top five player. And to me, Kyrie Irving would be foolish to walk away from that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I just, I just know that Danny Ainge doesn't operate like that. If there's a risk that he loses Kyrie Irving, he doesn't give up assets to go for Anthony Davis. That's not always worked. Yeah, we'll 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 see what happens. There's also right. Plan B, though. Plenty yeah. of Plan B. Who's your uh, Who's your next winner or loser? <clears throat> Toronto, I think, is a winner as well, and time will tell on this one because I think they they made a lot of risks. Toronto and Philly both. I'll just put them together. They are two teams that sort of <laughs> opposite of Boston. Um, rather than say, you know what, we're going to just slow play this and let's keep our options open, they said, nope, let's swing for the fence. Let's see what happens. Um, and and both teams, I think, got better for this year. They got a lot more mysterious for next year, forward, but for yeah. this year, they got they got really, really, really good, and, and so I have to make them winners. How would you rank those Eastern teams? Love that you asked this. <laughs> I would, I would, I would go with Milwaukee number one. I would still go with Boston number two. I know that's crazy, mm-hmm. but when we talk about Philadelphia, their highs are better. Their 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 positives are more positive than Boston, but they're still a team that features a player that can't shoot outside of six feet. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have a big and Embiid who is susceptible to to he could become vulnerable in a playoff series he could be dominant Mm -hmm. so to me they are a team that the highs are higher than everybody else's but their lows are lower so um i would put them behind and then toronto i would put last curiously enough um i I see a lot of people have toronto as number one in this ranking but to me mark gasol is a very loud piece and to bring him in with only eight weeks basically to kind of say like let's learn this new style when it's already you're adding Kawhi Leonard and you know we already have all these new pieces to me it's just there's a lot that can go wrong there let's say Marcus Gasol is a 10 out of 10 of the player that he is right okay. like like let's say he is of, of that type of a big who uses drop coverage is a skilled big who can pass out of the pick and roll and do those things if he's a 10 out of 10 where's where's Valance units is, is he like a seven <laughs> no 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 is he no. like Valance a six units? Like how, oh, how far? Below, how he's far? below that. I'm I'm extremely low on Val, Big Val, and and I think Val is a guy that in the regular season is you know looks looks it's good. He, there's some value to him in a playoff series. He's the exact example of what I'm talking about. You're not going to post him up, right? You're not going to say, oh, we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of you here. But other teams are going to put him in the pick and roll, and they're going to expose him, right? So, and, but that's that's not where comparable. I'm, that's where I'm that's where I'm saying that like Marcus All is the type of upgrade that you have. Remember, Toronto's goals right now isn't just to compete for a title this year. It's to convince Kawhi Leonard, who may or may not have one door, one foot all the way out the door already, to stick I'm around. I'm not even sure that's their goal, to be honest with you. Um, if they win the championship, I think they have a shot at him. But I think they kind of look at this, and, and this was part of it, is they would say, why not go all in right now? Because Kawhi is 99% yeah. out the door. We might as this is our one shot. Let's just do it, and then we'll start over with Siakam and and whatever you know, Ananobi or whatever mm-hmm. next year. Uh, all right, I guess my my next one here. I I feel bad for for Kemba. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I feel really bad for Kemba Walker. He's so freaking good, and and I I'm I'm concerned about the way that he's going to age. And I was hoping that yeah. he would at least have one 
you know, like one season or one stretch where he had somebody who at one point in their career was at his level of, of basketball player. And, and there was that trade that was reportedly almost done, or they were, they were pursuing it aggressively to get Marcus Saul to Charlotte. And then apparently it fell through. And I just feel like that's a gut punch for Kemba. Like it's one thing if yeah. he never if it never looks like Marcus Hall might wind up there, and it's not even like Marcus Hall at thirty four years old is the kind of guy who will one hundred percent convince Kemba to stick around. But it's just like, oh, we got a oh we 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 didn't we didn't get oh we're, we're also <laughs> we're also buying out Frank Kaminsky too. All right, that's like, what are we yeah. doing here? What are we doing? I, I, well, I feel they, bad for they, Kemba. I can't even call him a loser because it, I mean they the, the status quo remains so yeah right they right. Ne- they neither won nor lost they That's just stayed saying. stayed losers but I am with you another yeah. along those same lines I feel bad for Bradley Beal yeah because he is a player that again could swing a playoffs I mean he's a gr- very 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 good player and the Wizards are losers in their in their own right because John Walt suffered a freak injury that sucks. and right when they were like well we're gonna wait out this year and then go for it next year now it's like well no we're gonna throw away next year too. Lose Otto Porter, you lose John Wall. The band is breaking up, except Uber for Bradley as well Beal. Is, earlier this year, except for Bradley Beal, who is stuck in purgatory in the prime of his career, and he just has to go down with the ship here. And it, he'll probably get moved over the summer, but I'm sure he's a guy that was looking around, going, "I'd really like to be involved in something exciting this year if I could." And then on no, top no, of no, all no. that, he was drafted last in the All Star thing. <laughs> to make to make matters worse, uh, <laughs> insult to injury. I think I, the I wanna... magic. I think the magic might be a losers a bit here, and just that they are a team. And and this is why we've talked about this with that offer that the Lakers have out to the Pelicans. To me, I, I look at it and I say it's a good offer. If you just talk about value, like how many wins does this group add? Like it might be even. The problem is the Pelicans weren't good. So if you move reshuffle the the seats on the Titanic, you're still going down. I think the magic are this exact way. What are they do, What are they trying to build around with this group? And then you add faults. To me, I look at it and I go, this this team has no chance of really breaking through in a big way. If things break right for them, they become like a six seed. But it just seems like they are set up for mediocrity. I'll, I'll take it a step further. When have Orlando shown an ability to to not just like recreate or or rebuild a player's career, but actually <laughs> develop a player that they've drafted. Like yeah. all, yeah. just about everybody that they've traded away has gotten better after they've yeah. done it. Yeah. And, well. and so like you look at faults and, and they're bringing in another project and like maybe one of the most complicated, complicated projects that the league has seen yeah. in a long time. Yeah, it, is. it really is. And, yep. and I just, I don't know how that's going to go. I was really hoping that if Fultz was going to get moved, he would wind up in a situation that uh, that I, I I felt more confident than I am in in the in the Orlando Magic helping him out. I just the, I, I don't think yeah. this ends well. The only thing I will say for this move for Fultz is that he will be out of the spotlight because yeah. Orlando is not a team that is in the spotlight. It's very um, true. So nobody will be paying attention. He will have an opportunity to quietly work on his game over the next two seasons probably. And if nothing comes of it, then nothing comes of it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that'll do it for our winners and losers. Which, which, which playoffs are going to be better this year, the East or the West? Who? Which think... one are you more excited for? The first round of the East is going to be terrible. Yeah, I think I think from start to finish, like on aggregate, maybe the West that's the case that they make, but in terms of like classic series that we might see at the yeah. same time, I, I don't think it's close. 
Yeah, the second and third round in the Eastern Conference is going to be, oh my goodness. <laughs> I completely <laughs> All agree. All-timers. Completely agree. All right, let's let's uh, let's really quickly send everybody off into the weekend with a little bit of fun here and talk about this All-Star Draft. Did you like it? Did you watch it? Did you, did you have fun? <laughs> I did fun? watch it. I did watch it. I did have fun. Um, I do like that LeBron James took the opportunity to draft every free agent. Um, I, I like the trash talking. I like the hokiness of it all. I thought it was good. It was a great time. These these rosters are in The only thing I don't like, Anthony, is that my guy, Nikola oh, Jokic, no. went to a team that did not give him any shooting and gave him a bunch of guys that are going to dribble the air out of the ball. So unfortunately for Yoke, I think that he's going to have a disappointing debut at his playoff appearance. But we'll see. All-star, all-star appearance. I'll start parents. Uh, I want to. I want to make another tweak. I, I want to. If we're going to go this far, and we're going to have guys drafting guys, and and going so far as to risk, you know, the Bradley Beals being upset at being drafted last. Why can't we have them lined up there like schoolyard style <laughs> when when they're being drafted? I need. I need that drama. I need to see Bradley Beals face when D'Angelo Russell goes two rounds before him. logistics i think the logistics would be awfully tough so that would be the only thing i would say but you know it's something that you know before the dunk contest if they did that you know after the shooting stars or rising stars game or whatever that thing is that that's terrible to watch but we keep doing it for some reason then maybe you have it then i could see it working but you know for i think for um practical purposes and also from just marketing purposes they wanted the roster set so they can yeah Maybe they, they maybe that. they try that out with the with the rookie sophomore game. Yeah, yeah, like, could. it's kind of like they try things out in the G League. Like maybe they try that out in the in the rookie sophomore game, which I don't know why it really exists. My uh, guy Monte Morris got got jobbed. I can't believe they got put Kevin Knox over him in the as a filler man. Can't believe it. Can't you? My guy's shooting forty. No, he's shooting like over forty percent from three. Has the second best assist to turnover ratio. The guy's incredible. But no, I'm asking. He's I'm asking. Than, oh. I'm asking market wise, can't you? Oh, of course, I, of, of course, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox, for whatever reason, his name rings out. But Monte Morris, that guy is a player. He's easily one of the best players that was in that pool of players. You know what? You know what Kevin Knox needs to do to really get his name to ring out? Kevin Nix. He needs. He needs, <laughs> he, he, he needs to be Kevin Nix. No. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. This is a lot of fun. It was a wild, crazy, a exhausting, almost nihilistic trade deadline. If you're a Lakers fan, we it's lost. Fun watching the Lakers take it out. It was, we, I gotta say, it was fun. We lost. We lost not only Anthony Davis, but we lost Zubots and we lost <laughs> Speed Mikhailu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor speed. You guys get a you know, big bounce back win tonight against the Celtics. Though. Was that was incredible. impressive. That was a big one. I honestly think that could have been a season sort of pivot point for them. That was, that's what basically we talked about our entire Locked On Lakers show. So enjoy your weekend, everybody. Enjoy your week. We are, uh, we are now getting into the nitty gritty of the season. Playoff chases start getting more real. Uh, the, these games start getting a lot more competitive because of that. This is this is where the NBA starts really showing out. So enjoy this. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>